Hey Geekscape, it's welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast, and if there's one word that's synonymous with Geekscape for you new and old listeners, it's community. That is something that you've told me over time is important for you, and so I like to do these hang sessions with Geekscapists whenever they're in LA, or whenever I'm in their neck of the woods, where we get together and we get to know each and every single one of you, one at a time, uh, in these short podcasts. So if you're a new uh, Geekscape listener, um, this is not like a regular Geekscape. You probably want to go back on the feed and find like an interview or something, or a guest in the studio. This one is where I sit down with a Geekscapist and we get to know all about them. So, personal stuff. And uh, <laughs> I don't know how personal we'll get. I literally just met this uh, Geekscapist maybe an hour ago. Yeah, about And then. he's in L.A., but he should be no stranger to you fans of Overwatch because he is one half of the co-hosting team of the Geekscape Overwatch podcast, um, the Overleague yep. podcast, Mr. Rocco Romeo. Yep. How's which, it going? Which people think that Jonathan London is a fake name. <laughs> uh, Rocco stage, Romeo, man. I was like... That's like a wrestling name. That's like yeah. ravishing Rick Rude. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Rocco Romeo. Yeah. You'd come out in like heartbreak kid like <laughs> like tights, and you'd be like a heartbreaker. You'd come in and like all the ladies would swoon <laughs> to your muscles, and then you'd like, you know, break their hearts with some move on their boyfriends or something. I don't know, but run with <laughs> some, it if you want. Some, some uh, nature boy like. Yeah, 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 you'd come out, you'd, you'd do the romance, ooh, Romeo, and you're like, Rocco Romeo. Yeah. Uh, but having met you, I can only say that, that, is in, that you are very much a heartbreaker. Uh, <laughs> you're very much a suave individual. Uh, we, we, we split, uh, we, we shared a meal over some ribs here in Los Angeles. Hey, it, it was, uh, they were pretty good. I don't usually eat barbecue. So it was, uh, it was a change. It was a very good change. <laughs> That's what happens when a Texan is running the Geekscape Network. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, yeah. it's like hey, uh, you're out here to watch the Overwatch League. Mm-hmm. You're here because we're in Burbank. We're sitting in Johnny Carson Park. And a few blocks away at NBC Studios, they've been holding these Overwatch broadcasts of the Overwatch League. Yep. Super stoked. Are you? Yeah. So you're on a family vacation and you're yeah. like, mom and dad? Yep. I'm going to dip out for a few hours <laughs> to watch Overleague. And by a few hours, these things are like six hours long. Yeah, I, I gave them an ultimatum. I was like, if I'm going to be out here visiting you guys, I have to drive the six hours from Phoenix to L.A. to come see an Overwatch League game. And I, I told told my dad, I was like, if I have to rent a car to come drive here by myself, I will rent a car and drive here by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, they love coming to, to California, so they were... 100% game with it. So. Okay, so you guys rode out this morning from Phoenix? Yeah, we left at 5 this morning and got okay. here around 11 o'clock. And uh, what are your parents doing while you're watching Overwatch? Um, they were actually going to go uh, take the tour of the WB Studios. Okay, so yeah. they're in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're finding finding things and grabbing pamphlets to figure out how to do. <laughs> so t- tell me, because I am absolutely like an Overwatch noob, and we talked about it a little bit over uh, lunch, but this whole... Overwatch League and Overwatch and competitive gaming in, in general is something that people were talking about 10 years ago as becoming a, a phenomenon. Five years ago, you start get it, getting the inklings that it's a phenomenon, and then it almost seems like overnight yeah, that yeah. the infrastructure and the audience and everything was in place. I think the first time I had like a giant holy shit moment was <laughs> when the Staples Center sold out almost yes. instantaneously for League of Legends. League of Legends, yeah. And it was the fastest sellout in Staples Center history. That's the arena here in L.A. Yep. 
so the Overwatch thing, how did you get into it? And, uh, you know, then how did you start the podcast? Um, so I, I've always liked Overwatch. I've played it since release. I wasn't, I wasn't in the beta, so I didn't, I didn't get that, uh, that experience. But since it's released back in 2016, uh, I've just played the living hell out of it ever since. And I met my co-host Toxic uh, on a gaming clan that we were in. And I've been kind of anticipating this Overwatch League esports thing because I've always liked watching esports. I've watched Evo for uh, a long time, the fighting game tournament. Um, and then I would kind of peruse the different esports just to, if I'm bored. But my passion and love for Overwatch was really large when I found out that they were actually going to have a league dedicated to it. I've been super, super excited. So they started announcing when the Overwatch League was going to start. It was the preseason. It was the second week in December. And I, I shot a text message to Toxic. And I'm like, hey, I have this idea. Uh, I've messed around with podcasting before. And I would love to do a podcast with Overwatch League. And I, I think it would be a great idea. I think it would be a lot of fun. It has a lot of content. So it's not something that's going to run stale. Do you want to do it with me? And then just, like, just like that, she was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, I'm doing that. So in like a three-week period, we got uh, our intro made. She's a graphic designer, so we got all our graphics done. We got all our social media up, and we were just ready to go. We just started from the uh, week before the preseason started to, as kind of like a hype, as a hype, uh, a hype episode. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love having you guys on the network because it really covers uh, a need that I think is in demand. And I don't, I mean, I know we don't promote you guys enough. <laughs> I know we don't do enough to get you guys out there. It's really hard. But um, uh, do we have too many shows? I don't know. Matt Kelly just keeps posting shows. <laughs> Matt, taking over. Matt, Matt Kelly, who you work with, uh, yep. who's your employee, um, he just keeps adding shows to the Geekscape Network. And I... I can't tell if anybody's listening to these damn things. Like a Boy Meets World show? Like, what What the hell's I know, happening? I know. What's up, what's up with that? What is up with that? <laughs> like, you know, Matt Kelly's just using Geekscape as a, his own little... Uh, you know, he, he, Matt Kelly's the guy in the lunchroom who during, like, reset or during lunch period jumps up on a table and starts yelling for attention. Everybody looks up, acknowledges that he's there, and then just goes back to eating. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's Matt Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, I, I love the Horror Movie Night podcast oh, that yeah. he hosts. And he is basically also that kid who's like in the corner of the lunchroom with his, the other goth kids <laughs> talking about horror movies. Yes, oh yeah. <laughs> and you guys are like the, 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 the nerd corner over here talking about competitive gaming and being like, uh-uh, no, that was sick. <laughs> oh, shit, that was sick. Exactly. Which is different than the gamers. Because you guys were like a niche within a niche. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, mm-hmm. um, how's it been going? Do you enjoy doing the podcast? Like, any fans of yours that you like, you're surprised by? Yeah, I I've been thoroughly enjoying it. Um, I've messed with podcasting in the past, but it hasn't really panned out. And so far, this one's been a blast. It's it's been fun to work with Toxic on it. Uh, Overwatch League is really fun to watch and interesting. So it's not something that's going to get stale for us. I, like I said earlier, it's not going to get stale for the listeners because it's always changing. Um, one of the things that I think our listenership's pretty good. We're getting listens from all over the place. Um, I see in Japan. One of our one of our big listeners is from Manchester, in the UK. Oh wow! Yeah, he tweeted out that uh, he was excited to start off his morning with the Overleague podcast and like tweeted at us and 
sung his praises and that like made my day like i immediately took a picture of it on my phone and sent it to toxic i'm like look at this like this is awesome yeah his morning basically <laughs> consists of waking up tea and crumpets and you and us yes you know? <laughs> he's like yep. he's living in like a beach like a beatrix potter man <laughs> like a like, little cottage yep. and he gets his tea and crumpets yep. he opens up his paper and he listens to Listen you guys to yep that's yep. awesome yeah that that was a that was a really good feel that was a feel-good moment I'm, I'm down. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and so, like, what were you before all this Overwatch stuff? Like, because Overwatch, for me, it definitely, I feel like Valve, and I told you this, I feel like Valve really, like, lost their opportunity here because it's basically Team Fortress 2 yep. on a more commercialized level, a more... Yeah console friendly version level it seems like you know what I mean because Team Fortress 2 is Overwatch yeah it pretty much is it's like a team shooter Um, the thing with Team Fortress 2 uh, to use that as an example is I would say kind of like more of a hardcore game Mm -hmm. where Overwatch has a more broad audience in my opinion just because it's one of those games where you don't have to be in the first person shooters to play it because you have characters like Mercy and Symmetra and Moira where you don't necessarily have to work on like aiming. You just have to basically work on like team cohesion. And those are your so. healers. Those are the people who mm-hmm. can kind of hover nearby their allies and, and heal them from a little bit of a distance. Yes, yeah. So I, I believe I believe it, it caters to a broader audience because a lot of the characters, well, pretty much all the characters except for um, Except for, uh, what's his face? The medic in Team Fortress 2 were all, their hit scan okay. or, or projectile characters where you had to like legitimately aim and do and be really good at it to, to be a good Team Fortress player. And that's Counter-Strike as well. And same like, thing with Counter-Strike. Yeah, it's all be, about precision. Or being Russian. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, same thing. There's the same thing with a lot of the characters in Overwatch too. If you watch some of these professionals in Overwatch League, it's disgusting play after disgusting play. They're just really but great at sniping. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the reads that they have are ridiculous. But then you have the other players, like I've said, like Mercy and Moira, and characters that cater to people that aren't really into first-person shooters, but like, hey, I can sit here and heal with my wand, or I can deal damage with my corruption hand. Like, it's, I don't know. I think it just caters to a broader audience than something like Team Fortress 2. Mm -hmm. Is there a platforming element to it as well? Like, it seems like... like, Or, like, let's say you're one of the tank characters... Mm -hmm. In that way, I'd say, is there a platforming element to just being able to come in, suck up a bunch of damage, and deal a lot of damage, but in person, like up close? It's kind of like the shotgun approach. Yeah, seen a lot of a lot of games. Yeah, so like uh, my favorite character, Zarya. Uh, what she does is she's a tank character. She puts projected bubbles on people or on, or on yourself, and what that does is it feeds into your barrier percentage or your gun percentage and the more damage you take the more damage you deal okay so it's a very like in your face kind of character where you can just kind of hold the front line and dish out a lot of damage and um kick ass (laughs) and so um what got you into this i love competitive gaming like i don't know how old you are so like what what was like your first game like what was the like where'd you grow up uh, I, grew, I grew up in a small suburb of Pennsylvania. I'm 29 years old. Okay. Uh, my very first game was Super Mario Brothers for the SNE or for the NES. Right, old school. Uh, old school, yeah, yeah. I had I had the fight stick for for Mike Tyson's Punch Out. I started off like my very first console was a NES when I was like four years old. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I had a lot of fun <laughs> doing it. 
And like your parents were okay. I mean, you were four years old. Like you, yeah, there's, yeah. Like your, why'd your parents let you even start gaming? Do you have an older brother or anything like no, that? No, I just have a younger sister. So, so they just got you a video game system without any ability to use it. Um, yes and no. My dad played a little bit. Okay. He wasn't a, like a quote unquote gamer. He had his Atari Twenty Six Hundred growing up. Hell yeah, he did. Uh, he loved he loved playing Mike Tyson's Punch Out. He loved playing Doctor Mario. So he kind of played these games along with me. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I played I played a lot of hockey growing up. I started physically, when I was not, about, not on the yeah, NES. Yes, yeah, yeah physically. So I, I got a lot of physical activity in my life. So it wasn't like a concern of me just being a couch potato. Mm-hmm. So I guess they figured out what the hell. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. now you're okay. So your your parents, as you're getting older, I have no fear that you're going to turn into just a video game nerd and like a couch potato. <laughs> yep. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's there's a, it's actually a a badge of honor around these parts. Yes. But um. You're doing hockey. You're playing video games. What was the first video game that maybe away with it? For me, it's obviously for me it was always Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, yes, oh yeah. It was the first game that I saved up my allowance, and I had to save up a crap ton of allowance. Fine, mm. <laughs> we're talking. I think it was well over a year that I had to save up to get the Genesis mm. and get Sonic. Um, it's a lot of lawns. Yes. Or what? Yeah. You know, whatever I had to do for money. <laughs> Um, and that was definitely my game because it was the first time that the console was mine. Yes. This yeah. is my console. This is my game. This is my attitude. Sega. Yeah. <laughs> and it isn't the family console. This mm-hmm. is Jonathan's. Like, well, for you was maybe like that one where it's your game. It's my game. Like your identity was wrapped up in it. I mean, I'd like to say Sonic the Hedgehog as well. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely can. Yeah. I mean, like Sonic 2 was my game. Um, I would sit on my rear when I'm not playing hockey or out at school yeah and I would see how many lives it would take me to beat the the like beat the game yeah and then if I died like it would it would get to the point where it's like okay I got like alright I made it with two lives down and then one life down then I would just do it without losing lives you beat the game without dying the entire time the entire time so good with the pattern recognition oh yeah I was I was love I was all over it because some of those speed runs it came down to rhythm almost like it came down to like okay I know when to jump I know where to jump Mm -hmm. and you're getting down to like almost like the pixel where you're like boom I know where to hit the platforms I know how to when to leap off the crumbling platforms it's ridiculous precision those people have I've never tried speed running Uh because I would probably be anxious the entire time. Yeah. And when I play video gaming, I, I I make it more of a therapeutic session. That's why, like, sometimes I have to take a little break from Overwatch sure. because of how frustrating it could be. But it's usually like kind of my escape from reality. So doing the doing the speed running thing would just make me ridiculously anxious. But as a kid, though, I was just it was more of just a challenge of like how many lives yeah can I beat this without dying. And Sonic 2 was that game where I would just continuously... I, w- I would beat the game, restart, do it all over again. Now, what about, like, <laughs> Sonic CD or Sonic and Knuckles and Sonic 3? Uh, I played a lot of Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles. <laughs> Those are really good. I never got as hardcore into it as Sonic 2. Sonic 2 was, like, my jam. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a difference, like... So, so we're separated by 10 years, mm-hmm. yet one game one. separates us. Yeah. Because, I mean, that you're definitely describing how I felt about Sonic 1. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was such a great experience and the blessed processing <laughs> yeah. that when you're, you're that young you're like oh whatever just give me Sonic just give me the graphics the are so spike. amazing yeah yeah that's incredible yep um, and then where do you go from there like how do you how do you take like a platforming game 
or what you're into and then is the next logical procession something like James Bond on the N64 like GoldenEye or like what is the next procession that got you into competitive gaming um, competitive gaming really wasn't too high on my list I did play a lot of GoldenEye that, okay. I sunk too many hours in that game <laughs> uh, competitive gaming didn't really get too big with me until I started watching Evo Oh, so it's very, um, very so it's fairly recent within the last ten years. Yes, yeah. Um, my my buddy, my roommate Kyle, we used to play a crap ton of Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom, and it got me into a competitive mood, and that's kind of what sparked it. And fighting games and first person shooters are two totally and, different games. And what are you guys playing on when you play? When uh, Xbox about? 360. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that kind of competitive spark, like in that game, kind of. Is now like got me into watching esports. I was pretty, pretty uh, well into watching StarCraft Two, which the esports scene, which kind of died, which is unfortunate. But it kind of got really? me in that. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's it's there, but it's very like. <laughs> what do you think on the that back is? Because I remember StarCraft Two being like one of the biggest yeah esports games. Um, I honestly, I, I think it's just really like the rise of other games that are easier to follow. It's easier to follow something, in my opinion, like. Counter Strike, where it's just sure. four or five guys. I don't know how many. What about is, League of it, Legends? Because has that started to die too? Are, are, mm-hmm. we, are we talking about like smaller map games? Because yeah. is that one of the advantages that Overwatch and League of Le- has over like uh, StarCraft too? Is that you're, it's not as expansive as a map? There's not as many moving pieces. I feel like the tactics and the the, the micromanaging in StarCraft kind of scares people away. It's okay. very technical. I know League of Legends is kind of technical in its own right, but StarCraft is very, like, it's very micromanagey, mm-hmm. creating words. Um, <laughs> sure. And, and, I, and I kind of feel that it's hard for just an average person to follow or an average just esports fan to follow just because it's very, I don't know, it's very, it's very technical. And it's an RTS, too. The RTS esports community isn't too, too big anymore. I think StarCraft was the last big, like, real-time strategy game mm-hmm. to, to have a big esports scene. So everything's, like, flash and speed now. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, I'm watching ESPN and they're starting to throw do competitive darts. Yes. And I'm like, wait a minute. It seems like, it seems like they're going, it seems like they're exchanging places where, yes. where ESPN's going from, like, a high-speed game like basketball. And they're like, no, now we're going to go to competitive yeah. dart throwing. <laughs> we got to slow it down. Meanwhile, yeah, we got to slow it down. Yeah. Meanwhile, gaming is, like... No more RTS. We're going to have these very quick rounds. Yeah, I feel like it's really been moving away from that, from from the RTS scene, which is really unfortunate because I loved watching StarCraft competitively, and now every once in a while there'll be a tournament. But they used to have, Blizzard used to host big tournaments. Blizzard did? Yeah. And, And I mean, could you say that Blizzard, I mean, it's really pretty smart that they knew that they had this audience. Mm -hmm. They knew that it was moving away from one of their premier titles, and they offered them something else. Yeah. Well, one of the things, that, and a lot of people think this is a mistake that Blizzard's doing, is they're putting like all their cards in Overwatch League. And that's how I kind of feel, too. It's just like Overwatch League or bust with Blizzard right So no now. World of Warcraft? No, that. Yeah, no World of Warcraft. Do you feel like World of Warcraft is in decline? Because, I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's a monster. It's, I mean, it's huge. It's it a, is. It's an institution. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. Uh, I know that they're coming out with a new expansion pack, so it'll bring a lot of players back. Um, I, I played ridiculous amounts of World of Warcraft, and it's one of those things I've just been so burnt out on it, that's why I left. Um, that's not to say it's it's a great game. It's it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of stuff to do. Um, 
but they're putting yeah they're putting a lot of their cards in Overwatch, especially in the esports scene. Like StarCraft Two is is just kind of done, in mm-hmm. my opinion, which which kind of sucks. And because they've done things like like put so much emphasis on the Overwatch League, there's actually been like other Overwatch tournaments that have suffered because they're really they're more hardcore with their licensing now. So. Uh, for instance, Apex was a huge Overwatch tournament over there in Korea, where you see um, a lot of the familiar faces that you see in Overwatch League today are faces that you've seen over in Korea playing professionally. That league actually had to shut down because Blizzard didn't support them anymore. Whoa. So they're really putting their cards in Overwatch League, which is kind of awesome and kind of risky. At the, it's risky at the same time. Yeah. It seems like, and again, my frame of reference is basketball, but you... You know, in the early '90s, you you started to see with things like the 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 dismantling of the USSR. You started to see players from Yugoslavia, all these different places. You started to see them come over to the NBA, mm-hmm. and they would play basketball their own European style. Yeah, and it totally started to change the NBA game. Mm-hmm. And and now you got you have players all on a global level, and they change the game because. They, they take their style of basketball or, you know, f- different roles, FIFA roles, this and that, and they bring it over and they, they and, you know, you now you have centers who can shoot the basket, mm-hmm. you know, now you can see, you know, you have these people who are shack size and they're shooting yeah. three-pointers yeah. and they're really expanding it. Well, it seems like what Blizzard would be doing with not supporting those leagues is shrinking. I mean, why don't they just offer, why don't they just charge a license for those kind of things? Yeah, I don't. Shutting them down. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel too, and I don't. They haven't really expanded on it. It's is just the, like, hey, here's Overwatch League, like it. Is, <laughs> is the style of gaming? Would you say that the, that because it's a global game, would you say that the style of gaming is different? Like, do Korean players or players from Europe approach the game in a different way? Uh, yeah, you actually see. So you actually see, for instance, the other day, the. Soul Dynasty ran this kind of unusual positioning on one of the maps of Sky Industries that like nobody does. Okay. So it's it was it was pretty much like the, so the Soul Dynasty are one of the three all Korean teams, and this team was just kind of like goofing around with like a, a just an unusual comp. I can't honestly remember what it was off the top of my head, but it was like a very weird positioning on Sky Industries, when, with none of the other teams doing it, and even the the commentators were talking about how their Korean play was actually showing because it's just so much different than everybody else's. Right. So they have brought kind of like a different play style into it. It's all basically the same compositions of of different characters that they're using, but different ways to approach like their defense or their offense. And did it work? Uh, yeah, it did. Yeah, because people didn't know what the hell to do. Yeah, they're like, "Wait, well, yeah, what is this? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, we're not ready. We're no, we don't know how to defend against this. We don't know how to go up against it." Exactly, because people are just thinking it's going to be business as usual. Oh, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna run an Arissa and they're gonna run a Winston and they're gonna run a Zen and this, that, and the other. But then they they bring out like they have those characters, but then they just kind of I think position you're them in such a weird Korean way at this point. Exactly. Yeah, because like, <laughs> you just said a bunch of stuff, and I was like. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Whatever you say. Yeah, man. It sounds like some of that Overwatch talk, boy. Now, yep. for somebody who's listening to this, uh, and I'm, in, you know, and they've never played Overwatch, at which point I'd be like, "Why are you still listening to this?" <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're just fascinated. Um, what? How? 
is it too late to get into the game? Is what I would say. Because like right now, I listen to Shane O'Hare, you know, talk about Overwatch on the Geekscape Games podcast, mm-hmm. and I think I would be closer to maybe Courtney on the Geekscape Games podcast because mm-hmm. she's just gotten into it. I don't want her getting made. I don't want to be made fun of the way Shane <laughs> makes fun of her. Mm. And they're dating, which is just <laughs> abusive. Yeah. But um, <laughs> is it too late for me to get into a game that has gotten this far and this competitive? No, I don't think it's ever too. Really? Yeah, I don't think it's ever too late to get into Overwatch. There's 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 two different modes that you can you can play, or two two different modes of the main game you could play. Humiliating you can play, and embarrassing. You, yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> there's competitive and there's quick play which are like the two main games. And it's very casual with the uh, with the quick play thing. Anybody can jump in, you can go have you can go have fun. Competitive is where it gets a little it gets a little funky. You don't want to like I wouldn't say it's too late to jump in it, mm-hmm. but the, the community but the you're going to get your ass kicked for a long time. Is it one of those strategies yeah. where I would be playing quick play to see if I even have any skills and then once I develop my skills in quick play Test the waters of competitive. Well, there, there's there's people that have accounts that don't even touch competitive, and they'll have 300 hours of quick play. Okay. So there there is definitely a casual scene. Um, I have it, that many hours in just Zelda Breath of the Wild, so I think we're good to go. Yeah. If you, yeah, if you can de- dedicate some time, definitely. Um, it's one of those things where you can't queue up for competitive until you're level 25. So it you actually can't kind even of play you it. can't even play competitive until you're level 25. Okay. So, it does force you to like, kind of like, learn the ropes first. By the time you're level 25, you should you should have a basic understanding of the game. How many hours should that loosely be? Um, let's see. I would probably estimate maybe maybe six to ten, six to ten hours. That's it to get to maybe, level 25. I, it's been so. I'm like level 240 oh something. So can, it's been a while. Can but you can you drop levels? You can't now. You can't drop levels. So no, like, you just keep going up. Oh, so just a matter of time, and you're—I mean, so you could be the worst player ever, and you just—it's all you do, and you could still be going. Yeah, up. you could be a level eight thousand if it exists. I don't know. I don't no, know. No, they need the to cap or not. They need but, to demote your butts. Yeah, <laughs> they need to drop you. Now that there are, there are promotions and demotions in competitive. Okay. Competitive is very hardcore. Competitive is really not for like the faint at heart, and there's a lot of toxic play that happens. Like, in competitive, like, like people being like ganging people up being, on people, people so? being toxic, like people just Talk, being rude, talking yes. verbally. Yes, yeah. So the, there, there's kind of a hectic scene. It goes, I don't know. Competitive is is awesome and then sucks at the same time. And I just, I feel like for beginners, that is, it's very scary. It's even scary for me to jump in competitive games, and even I'm like level two hundred and. Is that one of the higher levels something. that you've seen? Uh, like two fifty? No, no, I'm I'm nothing compared to a lot of people. Okay. Yeah, th- there's there's a lot of people that put ridiculous amounts of hours in that game, like that I haven't even touched. Yeah, but I, I mean, overall, like it's never too late to get into Overwatch. It's, no. it's a game that anyone can really get into, jump in. Like I was saying earlier, like you don't even have to be in the first-person shooters. But if I were to play on like a PS4, would I have a, a d- distinct disadvantage to people who are playing on PC? Is PC really so, the way to go on a game like this? Um, I would I would personally say that PC is the way to go, just because I like PC gaming more PC than Master console. Race? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Okay. Yeah, um, but 
the PS4 players don't play with the Xbox players, and they don't play with the PC okay, players. So they're it. all on separate servers and platforms. Got it. So if you're playing on PS4, your other opponents are going to be on PS4. And the Overwatch League is it's strictly all P- PC. All PC, yeah. Um, that's rude. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and how um, you talked about the toxicity of some of the competitive play do you see that in the Overwatch League are there points where is there like a Dennis Rodman equivalent in the, the Overwatch League <laughs> I mean, there's uh, a bus passing by so yeah. excuse the sound Beatscapists <laughs> uh, we are obviously not in the uh, Westwood One studios today <laughs> no. but it's a very nice day we're out in the park and you know what we're alive it's, it's fantastic beautiful. so is there like are there players out there who've, who've established themselves as like the the loudmouth characters, the attitude? Sort of, kind uh, outside of. Outside of the games or when they're streaming, yeah. Uh, for instance, uh, XQC is one of note. Um, he, he's, he, said some, he said some really uh, uh, disrespectful things to one of the openly LGBT car- uh, players okay. on one of the other teams. He actually got suspended by the Overwatch League, and uh, that suspension was actually uh, extended by his team. So there are players that stir up some controversy. So he was playing away from league play and mm-hmm. and made a comment yeah. on his live stream that that was very inappropriate. So there are like people that there are people that play that have some controversy around them. In the games together, like when they're playing the games like you don't see any animosity like between the players like when they're on stage. And it seems like a lot of them are just like a big community. But there are some players that let some stupid stuff slip. In play. Um, in yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, not like... They'll let, the, they'll let them slip, like, outside of their actual appearances. So, like, XQC was, like, during one of his streams on Twitch. Yeah. Uh, there was right. also something that Taimu from... Both these players are on Dallas Fuel. Um, Taimu said something the other day. <laughs> Do you um, hate Dallas Fuel? No, I actually love Dallas Fuel because I like, I like their, their team. Their team is comprised of the old Team Envious which was a very, like, lovable team. Like, they're always really hyped. They're always so excited to be there. And, like, they're, so, they're, they're like, familiar faces. If you look, it's, like, Dallas Fuel always seems like they're, like, the number one most popular team because everyone knows who they are. Okay. So they're, they're, they're easy, easily recognizable, but the problem is that they do have characters that stir up some controversy, and, and Toxic and I have talked about that before. And, and, and you're a Philly fan. Yes, Philly Fusion. Philly Fusion, all the way. Yeah, all the way. I, I try. I try on the podcast to not make myself sound biased. <laughs> no, it's yeah. like, I mean, it, whatever. It's, you're a homer. Yeah, yeah, I am a homer. Uh, and the, the um, Los Angeles has two teams. Yeah, they do. The Valiant and the Gladiators. Okay. Well, I used to do the streaming stuff at Twin Galaxies. Some of you Geekscapists remember me for, or maybe came on to Geekscape, or uh, because I would do the streams at Twin Galaxies about the comic show, and that was. Uh, owned by Jace Hall, and he teamed up with Rick Fox to get the competitive gaming team. Mm-hmm. Uh, are these any good? Like these competitive game? Do you know these teams that Rick Fox and Jace Hall own? No, I'm not. I have not, no not idea. Familiar. I just know that they went and bought or started a couple of competitive gaming leagues, and now like Twin Galaxies is really into this whole mm-hmm. competitive gaming thing. You guys, yeah. you know, casual listeners may recognize Twin Galaxies as the video game records database and. and Scorekeepers from like King of Kong, that documentary. Mm-hmm. That was Twin Galaxies. Yeah, yeah. It, it. I'm not too familiar with them, but there are some notable people that have bought into Overwatch League. Let's so, uh, 
So the Philly Fusion are actually owned by Comcast Spectacor, who owned the Philadelphia Flyers. That's why they're orange and black. Well, wow. uh, Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, runs Boston Uprising. Okay, I'm not. I don't like them. Okay. Uh, um, and I know that Houston is owned by uh, the guy that runs Team Optic. Okay. I think that's who it is. Team Optic. So there are some like pretty notable figures that have um, purchased in or bought into the Overwatch League. And it seems like their numbers will eclipse pro sports pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think everybody's pretty shocked by how rapidly this is growing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Rocco, love having you on the show, but I need to know, because you work with Matt Kelly, what is the most embarrassing Matt Kelly story from work that you can tell? Like, him as your employee, like, what is the most embarrassing story? The most embarrassing story That your about- underling has performed. Well, you told me about how he had a nightmare about how he was going to miss this one con that he's uh, possibly attending right now. Monster Mania? Monster Mania. He yeah. had a nightmare that he was going to miss that con? He, he had it's a, not called a nightmare. It's called a dream, it, man. Yeah. <laughs> he, had a, he had a dream about, uh, I, I, I guess, falling into a coma. Yeah, yeah. Matt just had a nightmare that he was the only one that was wearing deodorant at the Monster <laughs> Mania. Exactly, yeah. He was the only one in the, uh, the green cloud of B.O. <laughs> Yeah, we love our our horror movie nights, folks. We yes. love Matt Kelly, and we love making fun of Matt Kelly at times. He's our kid brother. <laughs> um, has he ever embarrassed people? Has he done anything at work that you're like, oh my god, that's just—he's never gonna live it down. Not that I can think of, honestly. What about walking through the door? That would be enough for me, right there. Yeah, like, you just Christ. you just see Matt Kelly, you're like, oh man, damn this it, guy. son. <laughs> You showed up to work again. (laughs) You actually wore that out of the house. Yeah. I'm kidding you. Uh, Matt, we love you. And you know what? We love all the Geekscapists. Um, Love meeting you, dude. Yeah, it was so much fun having lunch. I hope you have a whole, I hope you have a lot of fun at the the Overwatch League. Yeah, I'm super stoked. I'm sure it'll be pretty fun. And I'm super stoked that you wrote me and were like, hey, I'm going to be in Southern California. Let's link up. Yeah, yeah. I was figuring, what the hell? What the hell? What the hell? (laughs) And Geekscapists, if you're ever in Los Angeles and you want to meet up, uh, or you find out through social media that I'm in your neck of the woods, let's record a Geekscape uh, hangout. Let's hang out and let's record a Geekscape and let's share your stories with the rest of the Geekscape community because it's not all about me at all. Uh, I'm just the guy who keeps the lights on. <laughs> <laughs> and I love doing it. And uh, you'll always have a place with us. Um, Geekscape is community. That's what we do. That's what I love doing. I love meeting you guys. And, um, dude, have a fun trip. Thank you. Where can people follow you online? Uh, they can find me at the Gaming on Twitter. They can mm-hmm. also follow me on twitch.tv slash midatlanticgaming. Finally got my stream back intact. Twitch, twitch.tv slash midatlanticgaming. Yeah. Yep. And now how about your, your, your the Overleague? Uh, the Overleague is at the Overleague uh, on Twitter. It's facebook.com slash the Overleague. You can also email us questions. We've been wanting to do a, a listener mail. Um, segment theoverleague at gmail.com and twitch.tv slash theoverleague we just started doing vodcasts for our for our uh, for our episodes very very cool now Geekscape if you're into Overwatch or want to get into Overwatch I think that's a great resource go to the Overleague podcast uh, and subscribe you can find it at geekscape.net you can find everything else we offer at geekscape.net and of course we have a community so follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Search for Geekscape. You'll find Geekscape, especially that Geekscape page and the Geekscape Forever group. That's where we sit around and talk a bunch of smack on, <laughs> on Facebook. It's a lot of fun. And we're also on Instagram. And i got to give a huge shout-out uh, to, um, to, to Derek Cranavelt, who went to... Uh, 
to Emerald City Comic Con this past weekend, and he and his fiance just did a fucking amazing job uh, with the Geekscape Forever Instagram page of posting cosplayers and sharing it. I was totally blown away. So Derek and Mika, you guys are amazing, definite MVPs. I uh, loved seeing your content over the weekend. It was as if I was at Emerald City Comic Con myself. Uh, we'll be back in the Westwood One studios this week. So keep listening. Have a great weekend, Geekscapists, and Geekscape forever.